Hello and welcome to the 108 podcast. I'm Amanda. And I'm Raquel. And we are the Type 1 Together Girls. We are stripping down life with type 1 diabetes from two people who live different versions of it every single day. Please remember Type 1 Together does not give medical advice. We are only sharing from personal experience. And today I am so, so excited to welcome the amazing Michelle Braden to the show who also happens to be Jules' mom. Jules was on, I guess, a few weeks ago now. She was the teen, the first teen we had <laughs> on the podcast. Um, and it was such a great episode. So welcome, Michelle. Thank you. Hi, guys. Hi. We're so happy to have you on. Oh, I'm so honored that you asked me to join. Thank you so much. We had to have you on. So I think I mentioned this in the episode with Jules, but I met Michelle through Instagram first, right before I moved to LA. And I wasn't even sure at that point that I was going to be moving and we were just chatting. And then as soon as I got here, I just would hang out with her. She would be like there for all the type one needs. She has p- literally picked me up from the side of the road before when my blood sugar <laughs> was really low and I happened to be in her area. I just remembered that. That was insane. That's a story for another time. But um, yeah, she's just the best and the best like person to connect other type one parents to because she's just like a, a mama bear. <laughs> she will take care of you and um, connect you with others and just be like such a great community builder. So yeah. we love you. Michelle, do you want to just share a little bit about yourself? Sure. Yeah. Well, I love you too. And lo- both <laughs> of you. And it's really is an honor to be here. So yeah, I'm Michelle. I'm Joel's mom. Jules is 15, a freshman in um, high school, and she was diagnosed two and a half years ago. And then I have Elle, who's 12. She's in seventh grade. Um, I'm married to Dave. We met in college, and we live here in Southern California. Amazing. Yeah. Well, let's just get right into it. So (laughs) from the beginning, um, like, what was your emotional experience like when Jules was diagnosed? And especially like at that point in her life, can you speak to what that was like? Sure. Yeah. So it was May of 2021. Um, We were kind of, we were still in the pandemic and my emotional state. So her diagnosis was um, surprise, you know, a huge surprise. We took her in for a physical um, for camp. She was going to go to camp. Camps had opened back up, and you know, the doctor came in and said, "You need like the emergency room's waiting on you. We already called them. You need to leave like right now." And she was shaking. Anyhow, we can get into the diagnosis story if you like. But I remember at that moment, um, I knew the doctor, and I just was like, I think we need to step outside. And, um, I got down on my knees, um, in front of the doctor and then I held her hands and I said, I need you to pray with me right now because I'm really, really scared. And I didn't know what was going on. I'm already emotional. (laughs) Um, and then she just prayed with me and then we left. And, um, my emotional state at that time was like, so, I didn't even know what was around me. I don't remember driving to the emergency room. I remember the ER doc coming out saying to us, and this is, he's a saint. I still want to go see him saying like, listen, I'm going to get you stable, but I need to get you in an ambulance and get you out of here. Um, But you're going to be just fine. And he said that to Jules. He got down in front of her. And my emotional state for the first week is I didn't sleep. I didn't eat. You know, I stayed awake crying. I remember the nurse coming and saying, like, can't sleep yet, mom. Um, And then I was like, okay, like, we got to go to work. 
you know, I got to not cry in front of her. And um, it was hard. I was scared. And I was alone because no one could come to the hospital um, because of COVID. And then I think once we got home, my emotional state is something that it's hard for me to share with people. But Amanda, you've been really um, inspirational in sharing your story. But the amount of grief and sadness that I personally went through watching my daughter is something that I actually take a lot of pride in because I think it's the first time in my life where I actually was like, I just need to feel how I'm feeling and, you know, respect that this process is going to be long and hard and that I'm strong enough to do it. So, yeah, yeah, it's amazing what it's it's so interesting parenting for the first time, right? Like you've been at it for more years than I have, but every stage is still the first time you've ever done it, especially with Jules because she's your oldest. So yeah, it it seems like you have a similar take on it that I do um, where you have to push past the discomfort of like showing your emotions to a point to your children and like acknowledging them and letting them be because I don't know about you. I won't speak for you, but I feel like a lot of us who are parenting in this like new day and age where mental health and acknowledging emotions is, is really like applauded and encouraged. It's hard for us to push past that and find the balance of being like, hey, I'm a human and emotions are healthy and working through them is important, but also not putting so much out there that then your child is burdened in any way. It's a very delicate very. toe. Yeah. And I think one of the things is that, you know, at the age when Jules was diagnosed, I think Raquel, that's what you were asking, you know, it was 12 and a half. It was really a it's a bumpy age anyway, right? But because she, it was COVID and they weren't really interacting with friends, in some ways it was a little bit easier because we then had the whole summer to kind of get her, you know, into a routine. I could learn diabetes along with her. Um, But the emotional toll, it was interesting. I talked to and Raquel connected me with a lot of people who had children diagnosed at a young age. And I always wanted to talk to Raquel's mom. I still want to talk to Raquel's mom because in my mind, like for you and Hattie, Amanda, that was like, no, like not a baby. Like, no, you guys have it so much harder. And every parent I've talked to is like, Michelle, it's hard at any age. Mm-hmm. You know, Jules knows life before type one. Um, you know, and a lot of my friends that I'm with that, you know, I'm friends with, they'll say, my kids don't know any different. So mm-hmm. I think at any age, it's it's hard. I think for her going through you know, that adolescent stage, you know, into the teen years is, is very challenging um, in and of itself. Yeah. I would love for you to like expand on that more if you're willing and if you have more to say about it, just to connect with any other parents that are listening that also have kids diagnosed in the, you know, let's call it nine to 15 age range. kind of seems like that is a very, it's challenging in its own respect. It deserves its own platform to be discussed because kids of that age are really bursting into their independence, like oh, yeah. <laughs> able to do things completely on their own. And they're getting little tastes of it every single day of like, 
I'm in charge of my own life. And then the diagnosis happens. And then bam, it's like they, you know, they turn into little adults overnight, um, mm-hmm. you know, have to be so responsible for everything. And I'll tell you, you know, as a parent that Christmas, so this was May, I think it was that December. And I was saying to Jules, um, this is an example. I said, Hey, do you want to um, hide the elves with me this year? Like now it's your turn to be Santa. And she turned and looked at me and said, mom, everything about my childhood, I feel like is gone. So if you can just pretend with me for one more year, that would be really helpful. And so I was like, <laughs> and Raquel knows me. I was like, that was it. I mean, game on. I had, I had a Dexcom on the elf. You know, I found a company, you know, I like did Christmas like I've never done Christmas before, you know, and really got to play Santa. So for those kids, it's like a really tough balance of still want them wanting their childhood and then wanting their independence. And they also, Jules really did struggle with her classmates. Um, she was lucky enough to have a classmate with type one in her class and were amazing, amazing humans really helped us out. But she knew that people looked at her differently and the stare she would get in class. And so not only are they dealing with changes in their body at a 12 and a half year old girl, but now she's dealing with devices and alarms going off and her mom calling in the middle of a test. And, um, I don't think I could ever, and I never will be able to, and this is one thing I want parents to know is that we will never be able to understand how they feel and just to listen to them and to, you know, accept that that is their perspective is probably one of the biggest lessons I've learned with Jules. Um, you know, I'd say like, you can't, you know, not belittle, but like make it seem not as big of a deal as it is because to her at 12 and a half, an alarm going off in class with all of her classmates is like mortifying. Yeah. That's everything. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That, um, that one really got to me. (laughs) I don't know if you saw my face scrunch. It was like, you know, when the tears come and your nose itches, (laughs) um, (laughs) uh I love I love that um that take on it the forcing yourself as a parent to stop be quiet listen and acknowledge and not try and diminish and not try and take away and definitely not try to say something along the lines of I know how you must feel um (laughs) <laughs> we don't know how they feel. And, you know, and that's the thing. And part of me is like, sometimes I, of course, any of us, any uh, for Raquel, if it was anyone, if anyone said to me, Michelle, let me give this to you and you'll take it away from everyone. I would in a heartbeat. Right. Because in some ways I wish I did. Like, I wish I had that level of understanding, you know, and that's why this community and you are so important. Um, because they're only people that can understand her that have walked, you know, in her shoes. So, yeah, five thousand percent. I would do anything to take it. What I got um, screened to see if we had any markers because she's the first one on both sides of the family to develop um, type one diabetes, and uh, I, I really didn't think. I was going to test positive for markers and I didn't, um, you know, so I wasn't like concerned or whatever, but there was a part of me that like the 
rush of relief happened and then a huge rush of guilt for feeling that kind of relief and then like tiny threads of being really disappointed like not that I of course I don't actually want it but I think there was part of me that was like if I am going to develop it and there's no way around it and I have a marker for it then yes me I'll take it I'll take it to do this with my kid you know this is very yeah and, and you would take any 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 study like you would jump in and say okay now this is it let me be the first one you know let me yes. right do this for them because it's such a helpless feeling as a parent you know when they're having rough days and they didn't do or not do anything it's just mm-hmm. what it is it's part of having type one yeah exactly um okay we're gonna go on to the next question that was a fantastic um conversation (laughs) how involved are you in Jules's management now that she's gotten older oh my goodness so um well you all you got to meet her and talk to her about you know Jules is um and of course I'm her mom so I'm super proud um but she really is a special human so as far as my involvement it's not much you know it's um I let her lead. Um, she doesn't have anyone at school, you know, she's not on follow with any nurse or teacher. Um, I don't have, I think this one question was, I don't have high alarms on anymore. And I can tell you a lot about why that is and why we made that decision. Um, the only time that I'm involved is really when maybe we've seen some patterns and I'm like, Hmm, what's going on there? Is this a hormone thing? Is this after school? I was noticing there was a pretty large spike, Um, and that's the time where she goes and has like all kinds of fun stuff with her, you know, friends. And so that I'll be involved in if I notice it's a pattern for more than a week or so, to be honest, there's times where I don't look and then I'm shocked after two weeks and I'm like, (laughs) we probably need to, he probably needed to do something about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's lows though, lows I'm involved with. So if she goes below, like. Jules is actually still pretty good around 55, to be honest. Um, but if she goes anywhere below that, or I see like a trend of a double arrows down, um, I'll definitely send her a text like, you got it or you're okay. Um, now, what's interesting about that is like, if I send her a text by myself, I can see that she's read it. And usually if I know she's read it, then she's okay. When we do the group text with me and my husband, Dave, we can't see that. And so, and sometimes she doesn't respond. So then she's got me texting her and Dave texting her and the group texting. And it's like, like, and it's like, she's like, I'm trying to treat a low blood sugar. Um, so that is, yeah. So I know that you were really involved in the past, right? Like, it's not like you're not involved because you don't want to be, I know you, and I know that you <laughs> probably, uh, deep down, like want to have some control that might be weird to say, but, um, I would, I think, if I was a parent. So can you talk about the process of letting go and giving her that independence? Because that is something we get a lot of questions about. And a lot of kids, even at much younger ages, are wanting that independence. Yeah. So this is a loaded question. And this is probably one of the hardest and 
biggest learning um, curves for me and my family and, you know, Dave and Jules and I. And so, no, Raquel, you know me, you know how we were. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, I was very quick um, to hop on to everything in the type one world. I mean, Raquel was a lifesaver because she's one of the first person I reach out to on Instagram. I was like searching, searching. And, you know, she had told me a couple of things I could do. I listened to all the podcasts. I was like, oh, 7120, like that's what we're going to do. Um, and because we had her diagnosis over summer, I mean, Jules will tell you, she ate the same thing for breakfast, the same thing for lunch, the same thing for dinner. I knew her doses. I was calling the hospital every day, making sure I was adjusting basal. <clears throat> I mean, her lines, even when we went to, we went down to San Diego actually to see if she was eligible for a trial was from before Temeplizab, I think is how you say it, was approved. It was still in the trial. Um, and even the doctor there was like, is she in honeymoon? And I don't know. You never know. He's like, cause this is not normal. Um, you know, her blood sugars, but we were that involved in it. Um, and then that was fine until, and then she got on the pump, um, about three months later. And I was super involved. Like I knew every algorithm. I knew every, how she was going to adjust her basal. And I'll tell you, that was super beneficial because Jules, when she was on the tandem, she was a ninja, like she knew how to do a temp basil. She knew if she was going to eat pizza, like we figured that out together. But we also, anytime she was above 180, it was a text message. It was a phone call. Anytime she was below 70, it was like a freak out, like flashers on driving to the school, like, oh my gosh, my baby's not going to make it, you know? Um, and then smash forward probably eight months, nine months, maybe a year into her diagnosis, she came down and said, she was like, and Jules is so calm. I mean, you guys know her. She's very, very even keeled. Um, and she was sitting right here in the living room and she was like, I, I need to talk to someone. Like I need some help. And I was, and she was going insane. Like literally we were making her crazy. Um, and I didn't even realize that on top of what I was doing, my husband was also texting her on the side. And I was like, Oh, that's so interesting. I didn't even know. And then when I approached him about it, you know, he's, he's like Joel's like very like even, you know, and he was like, I just, um, I'm just want to make sure she's okay. Like, I'm afraid she's not okay, Michelle. And so in doing that, we drove our daughter like crazy, you know, and, um, to a point where she was depressed. And so we found a fabulous therapist. I'm sure you guys have heard of Erica Forsyth. She has type one. We went and met her. She has the same pump as Jules. Like they hit it off and it was really a lifesaver. But at that point, when she said that to me, I was like, okay, this is not okay. So we did step back um, as far as like her range. You know, we changed her range to hires, high, like lows. We pretty much stay the same. Um, and then we had rules about texting, you know, like when are we allowed to text you? Um and then we switched schools. I think she told you because we needed like the nursing, the nurse help. And that was even better because then I felt like, okay, at least during the day, I know there's another set of eyes on her. Yeah. And unfortunately that kind of backfired too, because then she had the school and then she had me. So that was a whole journey. And I guess my whole point and not to ramble on about it is that that's the biggest mistake that I made as her mom. Um, the biggest mistake, and what I can tell you with preteens or teens or at any age, is that once they have that little bit of independence, like high blood sugars are not going to ruin them. 
Um, you know, they don't have to have this perfect A1C. And because I was listening to so many things and we have the benefit of technology, I really was like, well, then we should just be able to do it, you know, like Mm -hmm. be in that range all the time. And that's just not reality. Um, there's a lot more that goes into type one. Yeah. Yeah. This makes me think a lot about how different my experience was at her age because I didn't have Dexcom or anything like that. And it makes me really thankful for that, to be honest, because I would go to the nurse and I took it upon myself. Like we had kind of a system set up. If I was above a certain number or whatever, I would go to the nurse, take care of it. And if it got to a certain point, they would call my mom. But it kind of was that middleman to where I wasn't really communicating with my parents during the school day. And they also didn't have to worry or maybe they're worrying as much, but they they aren't glued to the phone. I mean, now my mom checks my Dexcom probably a lot, um, even though, you know, she doesn't tell me, but I know she is. And um, <laughs> but yeah, I think that that actually like it. I know that I have type one and I can relate to Jules in that way, but I think she has a completely different experience than I did. And I also empathize with you as parents because it's like, well, you know the information you know. You know that you're capable of keeping it in that really tight range. So I totally get that. Like, why wouldn't we attitude? That's how I feel now about myself, you know? But there's so much more that matters at that age in terms of mental health that, like, I just, the way that all of you have handled it, even Jules and you as parents, just so mature and amazing to witness. Well, thank you. I hope that, you know, me telling this and I tell people who come into like we have a group here, you know, is that that is my biggest regret, you know, um, as a mom, as, you know, seeing her. And I think it really came to light not even that long ago because I said something like I say a lot of things I regret, like every mom, you know, but I said, I just hate type one diabetes. And she started bawling like Mm. so bad. And I was like, don't you hate it too? Like what? And she goes, no, mom, when you say that, it makes me feel like you hate me too, because I have type one diabetes. And I was like, Oh oh my gosh, it was so painful and so hard. So, you know, me, Oh yeah. That's what I wanted to tell you too, is that me separating type one, like I really felt like I was treating type one diabetes. Right. And then I didn't realize that she doesn't see it as something separate from herself. So for me, it was so easy to be like, oh, keep it in range. Just do this. But like it's while it doesn't define her, it's really a big part of who she is. And yeah. Yeah, that is such a key thing for everyone to think about and acknowledge that it's a very complicated disease process in the sense that it does not define a human, but it is intertwined with the person who has it. So yeah. they are type 1 diabetes and they are not only type 1 diabetes. Both mm-hmm. are true at the same time. And I can't imagine how tricky that was to figure out at that age because right now for me – having a four-year-old, like it feels like my disease and I really have to like check in with myself often and think like, am I saying yes or no? Or am I reacting a certain way because diabetes is present? And if it was not, would I be doing 
the same thing? Would I be saying yes or no in this same situation without diabetes? And then like really trying to stick to if she didn't have diabetes, would I say yes or no in this situation and going on that path? And then I've also, my husband and I talk about this often, we can feel how smart and advanced and um, just mature that Hattie is, you know, especially for her age. So I have a feeling that she's going to be taking on a lot of this pretty quickly sooner than we anticipate. And that is like, we're already checking in with ourselves about we have to let go and we have to let her learn how to manage her own diabetes the way that Hattie wants to manage her diabetes, not the way that mom and dad want to manage diabetes because it's her, you know? Yeah. I actually appreciate that this conversation I think that some might see it differently because there's that whole conversation of like you're a person living with diabetes you're not diabetic right and that's never bothered me like saying that I'm diabetic I actually feel very seen when it's like you are somewhat your diabetes in some ways but not like the way you said it Amanda I I agree with that because when you're every move everything you eat everything you do every time you go for a walk every time you get stressed is then impacting your blood sugar is so closely intertwined like it does feel like it is you you know and it's not everything about me but I think it's also underplaying it to be like oh it's just this separate thing that you're dealing with yeah it's yeah. not it's your whole life that's right. you know yeah. I yeah. don't know that's an amazing <clears throat> just like point to bring up Michelle and I applaud you for being so like open and vulnerable because acknowledging that, you know, the fact that you said like, oh, I hate diabetes is going to help so many parents because I am sure that more parents say things like that than any of us could know. And they very likely don't have kids like Jules who's going to say, hey, like, it feels like you're saying you hate me too. Like, that's big for Jules. She could have stuffed that down. She could have stuffed that down and kept it down. But instead she gave your relationship the opportunity to mend and move past it. And she gave you the opportunity to um, like learn from that and adjust how you talk about diabetes with her. And that's really special. You're doing an amazing job. Jules is like one of the coolest people I know for real. Well, thank you. She, she really is an amazing human, but she also makes it easy. You know, she's so willing and open. Um, and she is forgiving, you know, which is sometimes I don't deserve even, you know, I'm like, it's okay. If you don't forgive me, it's okay. If you're angry, it's okay. If you need to talk to someone else about this, because, you know, I hope other parents know like that, learn from me, right? I've made a lot of mistakes. Um, and of course I regret, you know, obviously I'm very sorry for anything I've done that's hurt her, but it's also been such a learning and growing experience for me as her mom. And one of the things, you know, she said to me, she goes, mom, I wonder if you and I would ever have any conflict if I didn't have type one, you know, because we are super tight, um, super close. And like I said, she makes that easy, but 
the thing is, like you said, Amanda, it's a hard balance. Like if she didn't have type one, would we have a conflict about something else? And the answer is sure. I mean, she's 15. Um, she's a teenager, independent. Um, but also I wonder too, sometimes because she is so mature and she is so responsible and she's just really kind and, you know, it's just who she is. Um, I think she was just born that way, you know, her kids are born the way they are. <clears throat> so I have that, that wonder all the time. Like would it, would I let her have this if she didn't have type one or whatever it is? Um, it's tough. It's walking a tightrope. Yeah, <clears throat> for sure. Um, okay, let's go. You, that conversation was so great. Cause I'm looking at all of our questions we have for you and it naturally just answered like the next six questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. I have one. I'm curious about the pumping situation. Cause I feel like Jules has been on like every pump out there almost. Uh, can you talk about that journey and like how you, did you decide to switch pumps? Did you let her decide all of that? Yeah, I had um, I had nothing to do with that. So to be honest, I think Raquel early on, you and I talked about it. I really wanted her to be on Omnipod when we first mm -hmm. got diagnosed, just because I was like tubing, whatever. And her nurse, Amy, um, I have to give a shout out to Miller's Children's She's Hospital. Amazing. Again. Oh my gosh. We have been, I mean, I always feel so heartbroken when you talk about what your experience was like. Um, mm -hmm. And that's why I want everyone to go to our hospital because it was just incredible that she has had type one diabetes, her nurse um, that treated her since she was five and she's in her fifties now, I think. And she was on tandem and she kept saying, why do you want, why do you want Omnipod? And she was so nice about it. Um, and then I said, well, Jules, here's your options. And, and she chose tandem. And I think because she knew Raquel and I think because she knew Amy and those were really role models for her. Um, and I have to say, you know, at the time, why wouldn't we have gone with a closed loop? system, you know, where the Dexcom already talked to the pump. Um, and it was, I feel looking back now, um, I feel bad for parents who didn't have the closed loop. You know, we are so incredibly fortunate. We left the hospital with a Dexcom. So when I met other type ones that told me they were still waiting on their Dexcom prescription, I was like, what? Because we were part of a study um, with Dexcom. I didn't, I mean, I, they said something about it and I was like, sure. Yeah. Just put it on her, you know? Um, so no, that was totally her decision. And she loved her tandem. Like it was like her little buddy. Um, she didn't mind sleeping with it. it sometimes I got caught on stuff, but then she was at her best friend's birthday party. And that was a really hard night because she had her pump off for a while. She went high, you know, she had to clip back in and then I had to go pick her up. And I was like, Hey, listen, let's just get this taken care of. And you can go back. And she was crying. And she's like, I just ruined my best friend's birthday. Everyone was staring at me sitting on the side of the pool. And um, I was like, I promise you didn't ruin it. She loves you so much. And um, that's when we went back to the doctor and she was like, no, I want to go on Omnipod. And I was like, oh, and to, to be honest, as much as I, um, Raquel, I think that People think that I want to be, um, you know, have some control or some whatever over Jules. One of my proudest things I have to say as her mom is that I have really allowed her to take the reins on, on yes. this. It's not that I haven't been helping her and I'll do anything I can, but she makes the decisions. Mm -hmm. um, I and agree. I think so important. That. Yeah. So she went on Omnipod, <clears throat> excuse me, five and, um, so let me just, I want to say this. I think it is a fabulous, fabulous pump, the five. Mm -hmm. But when you have such amazing knowledge of your pump of the tandem and 
you have a little bit tighter control with with um, the ranges because you can stay in nighttime mode. Anyone's on tandem. A lot of people do that. They stay in nighttime mode, which all that means is your correction factor is stronger because it knows you're sleeping. So mm -hmm. during the daytime, when you're in regular mode, it only gives you 40% of your correction. If you're in nighttime mode, it gives you 100%. Or I don't know the percentage, actually, but um, I think it's 100%. Wait, is that, that, is that opposite? No. So when you're sleeping, it'll give you 100% of your correction because during the daytime mode, it only gives you 40% because it doesn't know if you're walking, if you're going into PE class, if you're going on a jog. So it uses an abundance of caution, the pump does, by the FDA saying like, hey, listen, you can't give them a full correction because- Unless you go in and do it manually. Unless you go in and do like it. It'll still adjust yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. It'll adjust it. So, um, so she really was- fabulous. I mean, I couldn't believe how well she was able to maintain a range, you know, with the pump. So then she went on the five and she had now two devices because on tandem at the time, like when we switched, she could bolus from her phone, um, you know, and then, so she had two devices and I didn't love the five because I didn't love the range it kept her in. Um, and then I said, Hey, listen, when you were first diagnosed, I did this thing called night scout. And then I was overwhelmed with it because I didn't know how to program anything. And I think I even, they said, they're like, Oh, you've been paying for it for, um, like a year or something, or two, right? Two years. I didn't even know that, but it wasn't much money. But anyway, um, I said, do you want to try it? There's no device. You just have your phone. And she was like, sure. So we did it and we haven't really looked back. So yeah. And that's looping for those of you who are more familiar with. Yeah, so looping. So we term. go through a company called Night Scout. And I will say to any parent who's interested in looping, um, you used to have to have like this extra thing called a Riley link and um, all that's changed now. So it's just the dash pods. You have to use the one below Omnipod 5. So it's the dash pod. You can use any um, CGM, so Libre or Dexcom. I think it's only the Libre 2 and the Dexcom 6 or 7. And then um, everything is done through your phone, but then there's this company called T1 Pals and they actually, for an extra X amount of dollars a month, I think it's $38, they will do the build and updates for you. And so that's why we pay them to do that. So um, it's been great. You know, she can set her target um, blood sugar to like 87. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I don't want to be, I don't want to put anything out there. It's still an adjustment. She's still kind of new to it. And we're, we had to work with a consultant for three months to kind of get her ranges. And, you know, she doesn't always want to actually even click the button. <laughs> so to like yeah. change or like create, she calls it crazy day or dance mode or whatever, but that was completely up to her and we still have her tandem. So if she ever wants to go back, she yeah. sometimes misses that. Yeah. And the Night Scout looping is still not FDA approved. I'm confused on that whole thing. Do you know? Yeah, it's not FDA approved. Um, they do work with the FDA. And I think in good, there's reasons why. You know, I remember, um, well, your friend, Sabella, um, mm -hmm. would say to me, Michelle, there are some people who can do diabetes and there are some people who cannot. And yeah. for the people who cannot, that type of um, tight control and management is really not feasible and can be dangerous. And yeah. so that's why you're forced to work with, you have to work with a consultant um, for at least mm -hmm. three months um, as you're getting started on, on looping, because it is something that does take a little bit of skill and um, a lot of patience to learn. 
Yeah, because you can set it to whatever you want. And so it could be really, really aggressive if you want it to. And yeah, that can get dangerous. But everyone that is on it that I know, which is quite a few people now, they all love it. I have parents trying to convince me <laughs> to switch over to um, the tandem is great and it's just working for me right now. But I can especially see at Jules age how that would be incredibly helpful. Well, and also for parents. So the person that introduced it to me, she has a son. Oh, you introduced me to them. Of course you did. Um, Benny. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, you know, and um, she told me about it. And I think she actually did the build herself. You know, she had three. But what she does is he's in school now. And I have the caregiver app on my phone. So if I ever needed to, I can take away diabetes from Jules for the day. Um, I can bolus, I can change her basil and that's what she does. So for younger kids, I think that's a huge benefit um, for parents to be able to do that and not have to rely on the school to, you know, give them insulin. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty incredible for anyone who is like newer to diabetes and listening. I just want to give like a very basic explanation of what we're talking about right now. We are discussing pump therapy. So not injections of insulin, but using insulin pumps. And we basically just covered three pumps, the Tandem T-Slim, the Omnipod 5, and then this third thing that we're talking about, the DIY looping, is using an old Omnipod and you basically have a company create a algorithm for you from an application on your phone. And that application connects with the the old Omnipods that your child is wearing. And a lot of people um, like to choose the DIY looping because like we just said, the algorithm, since it's built from the ground up by a team for you, it can be very um, aggressive. And so we're just, yeah, we're just putting all that out there so that everyone has this information. We think it's really important that when you're diagnosed, you have all the options laid out in front of you so you can make an educated decision for you and your family moving forward. But yeah, thank you. I didn't, (laughs) sorry for that tangent, but I was thinking to myself like, oh my gosh, I had no idea what DIY looping was. And I didn't even know what like MDI meant for the first (laughs) eight months because it was just never like explained. So yeah, yeah. I, and to add on to that there. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Raquel. I was just going to say really fast, the other two options for pumps, just so that they don't think those are the only ones, are the Medtronic pump and the Islet pump, the Beta Bionics one. I might be yes. forgetting others, but those are kind of like the main things on the market. But the looping is basically like they went in and hacked the old Omnipod. So that's why it's able to be a thing. And that's not like why you can't just get it directly from Omnipod right. and have it set up for you. Okay, right. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, um, oh, well, no, I was going to say, and as far as anyone who's newly diagnosed, you know, I have to keep in mind that people don't even know what basal is, right? It's just the long acting insulin. And I, every time some, there's a new parent that I talk to and their child's been diagnosed, I'm like, Michelle, remember, I listen to all the podcasts. Like these people are still in the, ho- like I was in the hospital listening to stuff, you know? And so, um, Go go at your own pace. Do what is best for you and your family. And if you don't know something, just ask. You know, I think the type one community is very willing to say, like, this is what this is. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Want to move on to the next question, Raquel? Yeah. Um, 
maybe about I'd be curious about how you and Dave handle things together. I know now you're not doing as much, but anything you want to touch on there or just like marriage, whatever. <laughs> that is a whole world yeah, of Yeah, no, yeah. Um sure. So Dave is um he's the dad of all dads, you know, like the love he has. I'll never forget watching him hold Jules in the hospital. It was like, I've never seen someone so in love with something before. As a matter of fact, he always wanted a boy and he was so in love with Jules that he couldn't wait to have another girl. Like he was, you know, and so for him, and I've asked him before because, you know, I am the caretaker, the main caretaker for Jules. And I felt terrible because I was going through so much depression and grief, you know, that I said to him, I said, Dave, you've been so strong. I've never really even asked you how you feel, you know, and what this is like from your perspective. And I think for him, what it's been like for us is that, you know, when he does get involved, um, because like I said, I'm, I'm the main care caregiver is that it can almost be overwhelming for Jules, right? Because now there's somebody else there. Um, and so, there was a tough balance of like, how do we make sure he's still involved and knows how important he is to learning this. And then also giving him the space to go to work. And because I did, I have my, um, a small consulting company, but I took time off to help Jules, which I was really fortunate to do that. And, you know, he had kind of not the burden, but you know, late night alarms and, and things like that. And, and then still having to go in it, he goes to work at four thirty-five in the morning. So you know, there was a lot going on there and we had to really come up with, and still, even just this past week, Joel said something about like, Hey, the text messaging. And I said to Dave, I said, are you texting Jules? And he's like, no, I just wanted to, you know, check on her. And which is not a bad thing, right? It comes yeah. from a place of such, like there's different ways. I tell Jules all the time. There's so many different ways to say, I love you, you know, mm-hmm. That's daddy's way of saying, I love you. You know, I want to make sure you're safe. Um, mm-hmm. And so his involvement has been great. You know, he has supported Jules in whatever she wanted to do. You know, he shows up to the doctor's appointments. He sits there and he listens. He doesn't necessarily understand the looping as much because she's been so much in control of it, Um, but supportive in like giving her her freedom, letting her go places. You know, like um, last week she went to Joshua Tree overnight with her friends by herself. Um, Yeah. You know, so and fun. when I asked him, well, because there was a boy going too. Um, you know, there's a parent there, obviously. And when I said it to him, he was like, Yeah, great, let's do it. Like she needs to learn how to do kind of things. So yeah. Nice. Dave's been amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. Um okay. The next question we have is how often does normal teenage rebellion come into play with her diabetic management? <laughs> Well, this is my first time having a teenager. Um, so again, Amanda, I don't know the the balance between what's a normal teenager and what's, you know, the type one, but it, I think where it comes in is, um, we are very much, we want her to be independent. We don't want to have, you know, this to tether her. And sometimes that's a slippery slope because, you know, um, Jules will say, I got it. And I'm like, don't know 42 double hours down when I you know just got a signal for two minutes and then I and then your signal goes out is a little terrifying as a parent um is that rebellion 
I mean, I think it's that that intersection of um, confidence and skill. And sometimes they're like, you know, like it, she's still learning. And when you're still learning with a disease that can, there can be catastrophic, right, consequences. Is it likely? Probably not. You know, she has so many resources and tools. So I think that's where the teenage, I don't want to call it rebellion, but kind of just the 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 independence and the need for that independence. And then also knowing I also have to treat this and take care of it mm-hmm. and take care of it quickly. And, and, and I will say, and not being embarrassed, like, because if you're on a hike with your friends, you like, don't want to sit there and be like, Hey guys, can you wait a second? You know, Hey guys, yeah. I got to do this. So, um, I don't know, to be continued, I think parties are coming into play. Um, so I'll let you all know how that goes. As well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely going to be um, giving you a call in 10, 10 to 12 years from now. <laughs> like, how do, you, how do you do this? She's like going to a freaking high school party every weekend. What do I do? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. You call me because you're going to be like, oh, oh, you you got the um, double caramel frappuccino with extra double, triple caramel something. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> Great. Great job. 100 <laughs> carbs. 24 units of insulin. Where that's incredible. <laughs> so awesome. Yeah. 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 So are you even checking her numbers? on your own during the day right now, or you just wait for there to be an alarm, like a low, otherwise you just let her do it. No, I don't check her numbers at all. Um, and that's been a huge change for us as a family. Um, Oh, and one of the things I did want to tell you with, you know, me and Dave, I will say if anyone has (laughs) questions about their marriage and what it's like with type one and losing sleep, and it has not been the easiest road, but I think because we had one person as the caregiver and one person kind of doing the other stuff, it was very, very helpful. Um, But um, sorry, back to what you said, you're asking me. Oh, alerts. And yeah. yeah, so Dave turned his off recently, his high alerts. And I think that's really going to help improve their relationship, you know, with type one and, you know, being a father and a daughter. And I was, so he didn't even really tell me, it was just came from a conversation. I was like, wow, that's awesome that he's ready yeah. to kind of let that part go. That is awesome. So do you feel like you have a little bit of life back yourself or, or do you feel like you're sitting there worrying most of the day? <laughs> no, I don't. So any parent that's out there, um, I do not. I do feel like probably us overdoing it in the beginning was in some way a gift because it really prepared Jules for where she is now. While I would still do things differently, obviously, and give a little bit more grace to the whole process, I don't look at her numbers at all. Um, maybe once a week, we might be like, hey, maybe let's like think about like if you're going to go out to McDonald's and then have milkshakes and you know how we're going to maybe handle that a little bit better. Um, but no, as long as Jules has her, like she has kits for every bag. So her school bag, her dance bag, um, her going out bag, as long as I know I have a test kit, really, I just want to have a test kit an emergency and like um, a glucometer just to test. Mm-hmm. And test. I mean, that's a, that's a great tip. It's not something I uh, would think about. Um, but that's, I thank you so much for bringing that up. And I really want other parents to hear that as your kids are getting older, there's already so much responsibility of managing type one. And so it might feel 
as a parent doing it, easy to remember to to switch all of your emergency supplies into like different bags. But for your kids who have like 5,000 things going on between school and extracurriculars and friends and hormones and sleep and lack of sleep, whatever, like that's probably one more big thing. So I feel like um, a lot of parents of uh, teenagers or kids who are starting to come into managing their own type one are looking for ways to continue to contribute and alleviate some of the stressors. I love that tip, Michelle. I'm for sure going to be using that going forward is like, it can be partially my responsibility to make sure that every single bag that she could just like randomly grab for whatever activity has the necessary supplies in it. So yeah, just wanted people to hear that. Yeah. As a teenager, that's one thing we can take off their plate. You know, when they're going out with me, I have her stuff. Like when she's going out with me, I always have it in my purse. And then when she's going to dance days, I always make sure I restock the bag in her dance bag, in her backpack. Like I make sure that I do that because that's one little more thing that she doesn't have to deal with. Um, Making sure there's insulin, making sure I have, I do actually set on my phone, change pump because she doesn't always love to do that. Um, and then it'll be the middle of the night and I'm like, why is her blood sugar going up in the middle of the night? And it's because her pump failed, you know? So does she ever, does she ever let you change her pump for her in the middle of the night? Like if you know, notice that. Yeah. So Jules will let me, um, her pump actually, no, she likes to put it in her whatever, but if she ever had to get an injection, she lets, she likes me to do those or lets me do those. That's very, very rare though. Um, but I'll set up her pump. Like I'll put the insulin in, you know, connect uh, it, and then she puts it on. Yeah. So okay. just those little things I can do to help her. Like also like bringing her water. If she has a high blood sugar and not saying anything about it, but like, you know, um, or even bringing up the pump already, you know, getting ready to prime it. You have to wait till you're close to her to do it. You know that. Um, mm-hmm. But anything we can do to help her is what we do. Like, like getting her fried chicken. <laughs> <laughs> as a matter of fact she just told me yesterday you guys she goes mom this is what we're doing for my diversity she's like we're gonna pick the top fried chicken sandwiches in the area and we're gonna go eat them throughout the day and I, was like, <laughs> I love that so if you haven't listened to jules episode there is one point where amanda's like okay well what's like the perfect scenario like what do you want your mom to say to you if like something's up with blood sugars and she's like I really just want her to get me fried chicken. <laughs> and so, so that night that the podcast came out, if you didn't see on our Instagram story, they got her fried chicken and it was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. And it was, um, yeah, that was really exciting for our family. I woke up that morning and I was like, oh my gosh, the podcast is coming out today. And Yay. then I text her and then I had it on the car and I I couldn't even keep it together for like 30 seconds, you know, <laughs> I had no idea what, what you talked about or so for me, it was listening to it for the first time. And, um, I was really just so proud of her. It was amazing. Yeah, I'm so proud of as her. As you should be. Yeah. So, so as we wrap up, I'm curious, uh, about your involvement in the type one community. Cause you have a lot of your own amazing people around you. And I know that I've introduced you to some of them, but also, Like, do you have tips for other parents to find community in that way in their area that they can actually hang out with, whether or not their kids want to be involved or not? Like, I think it's important for parents to make their own decision on their own involvement so that they can have support, too. 
Yeah. 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 So yes, I mean, I have um, a group here in the South Bay. Um, it was started by a friend of mine, Lauren, and there was like maybe eight or nine of us. And now we are the sugar mamas and papas. And there's, <laughs> <laughs> um, we were just sugar mamas, but we had a couple dads that wanted to join. And, you know, obviously we're inclusive to any parent, but um, there's 28 of us now, uh, actually last week, 29. Yeah. So wow. we're, large group. And I would say, so a couple things that I did as a parent, obviously I went on Instagram and found Raquel, which is, you're such a blessing. And I'm so proud of you, Raquel. I mean, it makes me want to cry seeing you on here and everything <laughs> you've done for me and my family oh. and just for yourself. It's amazing. Um, so Instagram is a great place. Um, there's a lot of podcasts. I will say one mistake that I made was getting too into the podcast. Like I was obsessed with making it better. And as a parent, just want to let you know, you cannot always make it better, um, but you're doing, can do the best you can. And then JDRF has been great. They have weekly or um, actually no monthly calls with, and they break it down to parents of infants, parents of like teens. That's mm -hmm. been super helpful. Um, and then from there, anyone, like I will literally hunt someone down if I see a Dexcon on, on them. Like, yes. Oh my gosh, you have a Dexcom on and you talk to you. Um, and then now what's happened since Jules was diagnosed is that a friend of a friend will call me and say, Hey, like last week I was supposed to have lunch with a friend. And she said, Hey, I was supposed to have lunch with another friend and she's at Miller's with her daughter right now wow. and just got diagnosed. And so now I feel like we're family. Um, yep. I have been to her house and it makes me cry every time someone gets diagnosed. I hate it so much, you guys. Um, so I would definitely do that. And then also, if they're ready to get involved, you know, your kids' camps. Um, Jules did not want to go to camp. Um, there's family camp. She actually hated me. She was like, I'm not going. And now that I think about it, I really was insane. I mean, she was only eight weeks diagnosed. I sent her to sleepaway camp. Like. <laughs> what I was thinking. Um, but it ended up being okay because she has some of her best friends. And then I've met parents through the camp as well. Um, and then don't be afraid to, to ask your, your doctors and nurses because they know people in the community and they usually have like pre pandemic, they probably had a lot more and things have changed, but I would definitely ask for those resources. Cause, um, I think it's called life of a child. What are the life care specialists in the hospital? They come in. Yeah. Child yeah. care specialists. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And they bring in, um, your teddy bear from JDRF. That's a really good resource as well. Um, to meet people. Yes. Yeah. I, I also think that there are some, um, places across the country where there's like Facebook groups in for your like local major city hub. Um, so I, I direct a lot of parents there. It seems like some people find, find other parents that way more often than not. Yeah. Yes. Um, also stay tuned because we're working on a resource for this nationwide, yes. but I won't um, share yes. too much about Guys, it. You are just yes. unbelievable. We want to be the one-stop shop. Your kid gets diagnosed, <laughs> type one together. What do you need? We got you. I tell everyone, I wear my sweatshirt proud. I'm really just so proud of you both. Thank you. You're Thank the best. You. All right. Wow. That was an amazing episode. 
Thank you so much for sharing so openly. I always feel so connected to you, Michelle. Um, Jules is very, very lucky to have you. Oh, well, I'm lucky you to have her. You're going to make me cry. I feel so great for you people in my life. Um, I don't know how we would have gotten through the past two and a half years without you. Mm -hmm. It's really been such a blessing. Yeah. I love you too. Uh, And... Maybe we'll have you on again when Jules has officially gone to all the parties and is off to college and you can share about that transition. Um, All right. Well, I could talk to you forever, but we have to go. So thank you. Uh, We usually do a blood sugar roll call, but I don't know know if you have, if you have Jules number. I'm 139. Let me see. What is Miss Julia? (laughs) She is 139. (laughs) <laughs> 138 that's a great one point for me yeah that's, that's amazing hattie yeah. is 115 all right <laughs> well we will talk to everyone soon thank you bye. thanks everyone bye, bye.